Okay, greetings and welcome to the What's the PhD podcast, the podcast where we attempt to demystify the scientific PhD process for folks going through the rigors of pursuing a PhD, folks thinking about getting a PhD, or even just people curious about what it's all about. You can check out the website associated with us, realphdeal.com. You can uh, check the show notes for the website link. And we would love it for you to email us um, at our group email, phdealmail at gmail.com, also in the show notes. Um, feel free to send us any comments, criticisms, questions, anything you loved about the pod, um, and things you'd like to hear in future episodes. And um, we would be happy to take a stab at any questions you have for us, so just send them our way. Rate us on iTunes also, that would be great. It gets our content out there or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, subscribe and leave reviews. Um, check the show notes for all these details. Finally, a quick disclaimer for us. The following podcast reflects only our views and in no way is meant to represent any of the views of uh, our associated institutions or, um, or organizations. We also prom um, promise to do our best to give helpful advice, but of course this is these are our perspectives, and we admit that we don't have any perfect or correct answer for every question, and we don't always even agree amongst ourselves. Um, we are also all science or PhD, or sorry, engineering-based PhDs, so our show is um, quite concentrated on that type of PhD. With all that said, let's get to the episode. Okay, so this is episode three of the Mental Health mini-series. My mm -hmm. name is... <laughs> and I'm joined with uh, PhD panelists Rajan Patel. What? What? Elias Nakuzi. Hello. And Louise Estefis. Holla! <laughs> <laughs> Excellent enthusiasm. <laughs> okay, so in this episode, we're going to be diving into anxiety, depression, isolation, taking care of yourself, and seeking help. That was a mouthful, but all important topics. So we will be going over what is stress, why is it important, and what and what are some methods um, and how to handle it or manage it. And so why is this important? Isolation, depression, anxiety are all things we experience during grad school and our lives. And these are maybe somewhat magnified in a graduate school setting since this is, in general, um, a high stress time where you're living a life that is generally accepted as unsustainable, meaning um, while, while you're getting paid, you know, it's still relatively low income. Um, and, you know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Like, your goal is to graduate. So it's inherently unsustainable. Um, you're not in grad school forever. And uh, so another important thing to note is that stress is going to be a part of your life, no matter what you're doing, but particularly in graduate school. And stress is now what uh, the World Health Organization is calling the epidemic of the 21st century, where it impacts much more than our mental health. It can impact our physical well-being, um, longevity, relationships, and much more. Um, so because of how widespread stress is in our life and how damaging it can be, we want to unpack what that looks like in graduate school um, for those pursuing a PhD or interested in it and um, how it shows up in maybe just our physical well-being, our work, and just our lives. So as a graduate student, or I would say a professional of any age, there are um, a lot of external pressures in our lives. Um, we have anything from deadlines for exams, papers, data your advisor wants, maybe you have to substitute teach a class, whatever it is. Um, and it's a culture in many grad school programs that priority one is school and your research and you know these basic human need things like eating good food, 
your relationships <laughs> outside the lab <laughs> and community might, you know, be put on the back burner. And so while prioritizing research above all else, they may give some immediate success. Um, it's important to also consider your overall health and well-being. And so if your goal is to become a stronger researcher and scientist, then school is, of course, very important. But um, looking at, you know, how to do well as a whole person in a graduate school is very important. Yes, please. Yeah, I, I think uh, just to follow up on what you're saying, I, it, you know, your results will vary depending on your your advisor, your department. Uh, but there, there is a tendency, I think, uh, to also exacerbate everything you just mentioned by the fact that um, PhDs are kind of, you know, they've, they've, they've been around for a long time, obviously, and people have been <laughs> using this uh, this mentorship of, of bringing people into the scientific fold for quite a while now. And and there's almost like this old school mentality of you have to suffer in order to to uh, you know to, to make it. And it's and yeah. unfortunately, that just if you get someone who's like really old school and they're thinking this way, and who thinks that you know they have you have to they have to break you to build you up or something. I mean, it like almost sounds like the military. Uh, uh, it's it, it's a it's a little uh, it can it can just add to everything else. I mean, because now you have uh, someone who's like really pushing you pretty hard. And thinking that this is what this is how they learn, and you know, much like you know, we said last episode, like how you learn how to be an advisor is from your advisor. So, if this is how they learned it, and they learned that this is the way to to make proper scientists is to just like just to make them suffer until squeeze them with pressure until a diamond comes out. It's like, well, like maybe that's not the way to do it. <laughs> like maybe maybe just letting people, you know, assure they should feel pressure for deadlines and for of course that's normal uh all the the but you know they you are still like a 22 or 23 year old typically i mean you don't have a lot of um skill sets developed uh, as far as how to deal with um you know workplace and and balancing life and and work and and oftentimes you know um, you just are unprepared for grad school in general because it's so different than anything else. So that combined with someone who's like, hey, I'm just going to like, you know, make this guy a scientist by squeezing him like crazy. It's just, you know, squeezing her like crazy. It's just, it, it can really add to it. So uh, I just wanted to add to that too. Like, you know, there's there's so many different um, reasons why it's stressful, but then, you know, and then there's like little kinks, like you get like something like this, like a, an advisor who feels they have to break you, you're just like, oh my god! On top of all this, now I got to deal with this this stuff. It's just, it 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 can really take a toll on your mental health. Yeah, you know, it's it's almost crazy how academia and academic research is this mesh of on two sides of a spectrum of cutting edge research, modern, you know, uh, state of the art instruments and tools and technologies, but at the same time, there's a lot of yeah. Almost archaic way of yeah. thinking, you know, like yes. lots of workplaces have modernized or certain types of traditional ways of thinking have have been lagging in the academic environment. And yeah, I mean, that's one example. And, you know, sometimes a mentor-mentee type of relationship lends itself nicely to, to what you and Liz have been saying, I guess. Tormentor, tormentee instead of mentor-mentee. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's nice. It's encouraging that... Uh, the Twitter universe and the rest of the universe have been, you know, slowly becoming more and more aware of these kinds of problems. Obviously, there's still a lot to do. So. Okay. Um, yeah, all good points. And um, so with that, 
Um, I wanted to, I guess, just ask one general question. I mean, we all, I think we all kind of agree that there's a lot of things you could do um, that would be very beneficial for your mental health, like hobbies, physical activities, social interaction, all of these things. Um, but that's pretty general. So I wanted to ask the panel, um, what you, uh, <laughs> this is not as exciting as guess the fake paper, but still, <laughs> um, so what helped you the most in graduate school to stay feeling healthy and productive in whatever research environment you were in? Or, um, you know, what did you find really didn't work? I can start. <laughs> um, so, uh, let's see. Um, I would say I've gone through waves of this, but the thing that's helped me probably the most deal with stress and this I figured out after undergrad um, was just exercise, like regular exercise, whether that's like a couple times a week, you know, anywhere from two to five or whatever. That just seems to work for me. Um, and it the, the reason it worked for me and why I really like, like, um, exercising as a form of stress relief is that, I don't know, I get like some clarity. I get, I'm physically away from my work and it gives me just like, I kind of turn my brain off. I'm not really thinking about science things. Um, so I just, I kind of feel like free during that time. Um, uh, and so the reason I started running also was just, it was like a challenge, but something you know, a challenge outside of a work or like doing things with my hands or reading or things. I don't know. I just liked it. It made me get outside, like physically leave the house <laughs> and like just moving my body gave me a sense of confidence that I kind of still carried around with me even at work. I, in general, try to avoid as much of this um, quote-unquote exercise thing you guys, <laughs> all the kids are into uh, as much as possible. But um, Wait, Lou, I did some sort of rugby champ or something like that? Well, yes, this was a previous life before I decided <laughs> to become a lethargic scientist. Uh, you know, I guess it's the one stereotype I do kind of try, uh, try to fit. But but yeah no I, I obviously I like playing basketball I like I like sports but I I am uh, I'm definitely I wouldn't say an exercise person uh, for stress relief it's like I'm it's more a means to an end like I I'm I I run because I want to put a, a a ball through a hoop I don't run like for, <laughs> for any kind of other reasons most other reasons but I I, well, did. I mean some of my friends would say I'm running away from my problems but I ignore that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no I, I think it's it I know a lot of runners that like really get a lot out of it like yourself including that 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 makes sense but I, I and I had a little bit of that in grad school like my first year my wife and I decided in this kind of weird way to to purchase a house I was like hey I'm gonna be in grad school for like five-ish years you know anyway so why not buy a house like we're gonna be here for a while. Uh, so we bought like a, a place that was like a fixer upper outside of town a little bit, like 20 minutes out. So it's like a little, little cheaper. And, uh, you know, I would basically go in early in the morning and crank out a bunch of science, like do lots of PhD work, all this computers. And then I get home and Aaron was already working on a lot of the house. And by the time I get there, it was like kind of like her second wind. And, and then I would start like working on the house into the night. 
And because it was, it needed a lot of work. We didn't, we had, we, we would eat like on overturned laundry baskets. We did our kitchen set up. We had nothing and <laughs> barely had lighting. And then it got dark. And then since we didn't have, uh, any kind of TV setup or anything, we were barely unpacked. We were like, okay, now it's time to just go to sleep. It was like Little House in the Prairie. It's like, now it's dark. That's it. Our, <laughs> our existence is over. And it gets dark early there. And then- yeah, 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 yeah. This is upstate New York. <laughs> but I mean, it, it was kind of cool. Like, I have to say, uh, there was something really satisfying, like you said, about using your hands and doing something instead of pipetting stuff or, or, or uh, preparing electron microscopy grids or whatever, just doing some like hard physical work that you're like, yeah, that hole was not there. Now it's there. And maybe that's not a hole I intended, but still look at me. <laughs> I, have, I have a, I have a, I've made a contribution to this world. That's non-science and it may not be great, but whatever. And so it was kind of, it was kind of a very good uh, way to kind of just you know, leave the lab a bit. And that was, and it was physical and it kind of, there is something about physicality that kind of does that uh, and kind of makes you concentrate on the moment that I, I really kind of enjoyed. Uh, and I, and, and, you know, it, if I can just one more point, the other, I think the other awesome thing that I really, for me was so crucial to having uh, a less anxiety filled grad school was just having like like a grad school posse of like family and friends, of course my wife, of course my family and the support, but but honestly my fellow first year grad students, Alwyn very much included, despite what Elias says. <laughs> yeah, I love Alwyn, man. Yeah, of Alwyn. <laughs> don't don't put him in the in the Missouri box, uh, Elias. <laughs> yeah, no, but but honestly, they were so great. Like we. We kind of, and you know, I don't want to say being in grad school is like war. Obviously, there's nothing that as you know, crazy and horrific as that. But I mean, it's you are in this bit of a meat grinder, and there is like a Shakespeare quote, I believe, who says like, "He who sheds blood with me, I shall call my brother." Like, there is something, you know, and of course, it's to be modernized a bit. Uh, uh, I shall call my brother or sister, you know, like of course that they're, you know, it's it's a uh, but. But honestly, you go into grad school with like fellow brothers and sisters that are your fellow first year students, especially if you're in a program that that takes in more than, let's say, you know, a, a one or two, obviously. But if you had we had like a good solid dozen and that's great. And then you could lean on these guys and, you know, talk to them. Uh, they go through this. They're going through the same exact thing you're going through. They're the same over feeling of being overwhelmed. And they really helped me set myself up to. Uh, realize that, hey, this is totally normal. Um, everybody else is going through the same thing. I'm not like crazy or horribly inefficient or or struggling with this all by myself. Everybody seems to have similar, what did I just wander into, <laughs> you know, kind of a, an experience. And I thought that was, the, uh, that was like really huge for me for surviving grad school. I think, and then you go into things together. You go, Together you go into quals. Together you go into your A exam, roughly. Together you go into your your thesis defense, roughly at the same time. And you start to and you together you start writing the thesis, which is like just another giant pain. And then everyone you get to be able to have people that share common experiences of like, oh my god, the introduction is just killing me. Like it, I have to read like so many papers and quote everything exactly right and and you just start and you can help each other out because hey have you tried this software program that makes it easier and have you tried so there's there's quite a lot i i think those 
you know, those two things, but it's particularly like my fellow grad school students uh, were really huge to, to helping me. So that that's definitely my big thing. Mm-hmm. So personally, I didn't find any of those things. Uh, actually, actually, I didn't even realize to do any of those such things while I was in PhD. So first few years, I, I just poured into it more and more rather than going out of it. So yeah. that my, my dad likes to say, so whenever I was um, like stressed in school, this just reminds me, sorry, I'm not trying to interrupt, but he would always, if I was like, dad, I don't understand physics, which was, you know, problem one <laughs> in my engineering career. But he was like, just bury yourself in the material, which I guess is what Raj did. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, just read everything. Do all the practice problems. Time yourself doing practice problems. I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what else do you do? <laughs> That's but anyway, awesome. I guess that approach, uh, yeah. No, it's not like that. I got anything out of it. Or at least maybe I got, I don't know. But I didn't. it didn't feel like I got anything out of it. So all I was doing for the first two years was nonstop. Like I didn't take even weekends off. I was in the lab, I don't know, doing whatever or maybe doing nothing. You know, I, I, had, yeah, I, I was there. It just I, in my mind, being physically present in the lab, I thought would make a difference. It, it might have, I'm not sure. Like, sure, I, if you look at the, uh, if from somebody else's perspective, it might be more look productive. But to me, it was like, I don't know, I, I would have been as much productive, if not less, if I had actually worked on myself and actually maybe more, like I, I create more ideas and come up with some more efficient way of doing things. So it took me a couple of, years to actually even realize that I was, I don't know, doing stupid things <laughs> uh, just wow. by borrowing the same thing uh, rather than actually finding something to release energy and, and work on something and, and actually finding a different way of solving this problem rather than just staring at it. That's a... Uh... That's, yeah. that sounds rough, man. Like, so how, how did, so you, did you, you had no, I mean, you just got deep into the work, especially the first couple of years. Like, did you yeah. have any other, wow. No, and, and, and also partly because I, I also, I feel like uh, first, for the first year, it, it was just me and my advisor. Um, and also, of, of course, he has other things like teaching and, sure, uh, sure. Proposal writing and stuff. So it's most of the time just me figuring things out. Uh, so I, I don't know. So I, I felt even more responsible for that. Yeah. Yeah, I can totally relate to that, Rajan. I think that's very common. Um, we we very much as graduate students we tend to mistake uh, more hours and presence in the lab and more, you know. It's, it's kind of mistaking the appearance of productivity for real productivity. Right. And uh, because there are really no boundaries, it's not as if, uh, you know, it's an eight to five job and then you're home. And also maybe if, if also in a new country, in a new culture, in a new atmosphere, uh, and your previous social circle is in different time zone anyway. So when you come back at 5 p.m., it's not as if, you know, oh, wow. from day one, you're hanging out with friends 
uh, like you would have back home. So then uh, say, okay, well, I might as well stay till 6 or 7 or 8 p.m. At, in the lab. And it's very tricky, you know, it's because, I mean, we have to be very careful because, I mean, no doubt perseverance is incredibly important for success. We're not saying yeah. that one should not be motivated, should not work hard. You can't really, I mean, let's be honest, you can't really uh, succeed in a PhD without motivation and perseverance. But then it's a tricky balance because you could, Persevere yourself towards depression and just get stuck in that downward spiral. So, uh, yeah, just remember you're not alone in this. And remember, there's a lot of support that is immediately around you and you can find yep. by, by looking. So, yeah, that, yeah, and I think I mentioned this earlier too. Uh, that's after two years I've, when it became like it was just getting too much. Like I was working on like seven different projects and stuff like that. Uh, and because I, I never said no. I was like, yeah, that's what I do. Just find time uh, somewhere. And uh, but then at, at that point, it was too much. And then I realized, no, nope, I need help. Uh, and then that's where I found that campus. What is it? Counselor? Uh, I forgot the actual title yeah. of the person. But yeah, it was uh, actually an office and dedicated for students to go and seek help and of any sort of help. And mostly it's like uh, depression or anxiety related. And for me, I, I went there and was like, maybe I need a, like a project manager. She was very helpful. Like she was like, okay, let's break it down. And rather than saying look no you need to talk to your advisor and yeah. cut it down she was like no let's let's see what what you need to focus on and when you need to focus on so she helped me in terms of like planning i was like that's, that's perfect great. so i yeah. do have a project manager. yeah <laughs> um good on you for seeking that help i mean sometimes yeah. people are reluctant to do it and yeah i agree it's it's so important i was just gonna add that i i feel like I mean, in any situation, like you do you sort of thing, whatever works yeah. for you, do it. But if it's not working for you, but I mean, find a different way. And if that means talking to a third party um, person, that's great. Like, I don't, I feel there is, in my opinion, because I've like also sought similar help. I mean, who doesn't benefit from these sorts of things? Like. Talking to a third party who knows really like they're not involved in your life, they're not your friend, they're not your family, but they can kind of look at, they can listen to you from a more objective perspective and sort of help you navigate through whatever you're dealing with. And I think, I mean, that sounds super useful to me. So <laughs> I don't see why that would ever be a bad thing. And the good thing about universities, unlike maybe like, um, I don't know, just a normal job is like yeah, counseling centers are there on campus. And I don't think there are any, I don't think you have to pay. No, yeah. And so it's like, it's like a resource, like there's a gym on campus or yeah. something like, you know, like you use it. Yeah. Sure. yeah. <laughs> yeah we talked about it. Right. And if you go once, okay. If you keep going, also good. 
Yeah. yeah. It's yes. part of the, yeah. the the free food you get to go for the seminar. You know, it's the same. It's part of, it's part <laughs> it's of a free grad, pizza. <laughs> honestly, right. just think of it as grad school life. I mean, you're going to run into some anxiety. And if you need help, just get it. It's free and it's available. It's just like you want that cupcake before you go to the seminar talk. Like, just grab it. Like, if you want, you know? <laughs> If you if you like Liz and actually like run and do stuff, you know. Then- I also <laughs> like cupcakes. I am not yeah. a psychopath. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. Give an idea about the magnitude of this problem. I was just looking up some numbers, and apparently there's a Harvard Whoa, study. research. Oh, my goodness, yes. look at this. Yeah, look. <laughs> Dangerous, dangerously close to being prepared for an episode. Oh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> excuse us of that. So there's a 2019 Harvard study that showed that graduate students are as much as three times more likely than the average American to experience mental health disorders and depression. That sounds right. Wow. <laughs> yeah. These studies come with caveats. Yeah. So these were actually economics graduate students in elite schools. And of course, elite schools have more pressure. But just to mm-hmm. give a scale of things, a recent Berkeley study showed that nearly half, so 47% of postgraduate students meet the criteria to classify, to be classified as depressed. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That same Harvard study showed one in 10 students experience suicidal thoughts over a two-week period. Yeah. Wow. That's... Yeah. And... That's staggering. You know, it's, it's really staggering. So you're not alone. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredibly important to emphasize you're not alone. And so seek help and all those other avenues. Let's definitely. Yeah. 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 And uh, I would add um, another thing you can do as well uh, that, that I found helpful is, I mean, this, this is tough to do, especially um, when you're 22 or 23 and going to traditional route of finishing your undergrad and going right into grad school. It may be a little difficult to have this ability to, to pull yourself out and see the long view but it is uh, really helpful. I, I come from, uh, I went through an unorthodox path, a non-traditional route, which was uh, highlighted at uh, realphdl.com, hashtag uh, cross-promotion. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it recently broke the- Also internet, in the show notes, maybe? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've been noticing your internet slowing down. It's not because of COVID-19. No. It's this article. Louis' article, article draw. Yeah, yeah. And and please make sure to check out the the internet destroyed image that's attached to it. Uh, if, if, <laughs> the, the combination of colors may even be uh, uh, you know if, the, there comes with an epilepsy warning if you have like, <laughs> just don't don't even it look might at it. Might create picture. the new blue uh, gold controversy. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. That's right. Uh, but uh, as as I said on that, that article, like being an older student and being in the real world for a while, you kind of have a little bit more perspective because you've just been around longer. I mean, there's not there's not like a secret like that. You're just smarter. You just have more experience, and so as a result, you kind of see the long view a little bit better because you've been around longer. And so I was, I think I was 30 when I started my undergrad and like around 30, not 31 and then 35 when I started my PhD. So I was already 35 years on the earth and just, you know, if there was a setback, like, uh, that was like, oh, this is going to take an extra year. I'm like, well, who cares? Like, whatever. That's one year out of 35. I've had plenty of those things. So if you have like one, year, <laughs> <laughs> if you have one year to 20, it's like doubly, you know, as, as, a uh, you know, 
impactful like to you so or two years or three years it starts to you know you start to kind of put it in into the grand scheme of like how long you've been around and, and what your plan is and you know just for me it was really helpful to just have like the long view in mind and then to just think look i'm by the time i finish this i'm gonna have my phd and i'm gonna do you know uh have the type of job i want uh, if it takes an extra year because I hit some bump on the road or, or something causes me to take a year break or whatever, just it's it's no big deal. I, I already started 18 years behind <laughs> compared to everybody else. So who cares? Like an extra year is like not a, like I was watching people like freak out about like something that was take going to delay them a year or two. And I was just like, oh, you're way ahead of me. You're, you're like <laughs> a decade and a half ahead of me. <laughs> like it's not a big so. So there is something about um, not only having this uh, uh, long view, but also just kind of, I felt like I was playing with house money because I was older. I also, I mean, I, I saw this in grad school as well, uh, where you have, um, um, you know, the, the, the problem of, you know, you're still kind of a little bit close to your parents and, and sometimes they have an influence and they're, they, and especially if they're academics themselves and, and you kind of feel uh, some kind of pressure to to perform well because they expect you to do well because they did well and they got their PhD or something to this effect. This was never the case for me. So I kind of just felt like everything I was doing was basically for myself and I didn't really have to worry about uh, making sure somebody was happy with my progress other than myself uh, and, made, and my advisor, of course, and things like that. But I mean, it just was less pressure because Really, my parents were like, I don't know, just you do you. And like Liz said, like, just just do your thing. And if that's what you want, go for it. Like, so I just felt like, you know, even if I failed out after a year or two, I'd be like, okay, well, I tried, didn't work, move on, do something else. Not a big deal. Like, so I, I so though that really helped a lot. And, and it's hard to maybe do that when you're jumping into it. But if you just have the, the long view of like how much the, the the negative effects of all that extra stress and anxiety are to your health and well-being and the you know the and compare that to that kind of worry that you put into it and and what will actually happen if you fail out or if you don't do well it's it's not it's you know failing out not doing well whatever that happens it happens to everybody it happens to really smart people who are like really capable because it's just not a right fit so just you know but having that long view is difficult but if you can try to have it i think you really help yourself out quite a bit yeah you know speaking of the long view i think it's just incredibly important to to always connect to the financial insecurities that as a graduate student you're facing so many times lots of folks are graduating without employment commitments or contracts for their future steps many times they have tens of thousands of dollars in debt and we've talked before about how you're not paid much as a graduate student. I mean, you paid something and it's useful and uh, it's a great experience, but at the same time, it's not a lot. And of course, we don't want to be reductionist uh, and say depression is necessarily tied to not being paid too much. Of course not, but it's definitely a part of it. And so to counterbalance that, I think it's important to, to not just be thinking about your next experiment or about that day-to-day activity as we often fall back into those pitfalls in, in grad school. We're always in that day, in that moment, in that experiment. But it's important to have the long view. And so some, uh, some you know, measures that one can take is to start networking early for the kind of job you like. Start learning more about these jobs. Reach out to folks on LinkedIn. 
for informational interviews, professionals and companies. What is their job like? Learn what jobs are out there. Uh, how did they get their job? What career trajectories they had? Uh, search about folks who've graduated from your group or from your department or program. See what they're up to. Reach out to them. People like to talk about their work and about their science and about stuff. And or just generally oh, about yeah. themselves. Yeah, yeah, exactly, right? We're really full of ourselves. <laughs> Something that's uh, incredibly second nature or kind of almost boring to someone because they've crossed that bridge might be incredibly novel or useful to you if, if you haven't crossed that bridge yet. So just chatting with people opens up perspectives and having conversations about career plans, even from your second year, from your third year, so that when you're close to graduating, you have kind of a better idea of what kind of job you want. Uh, you have a kind of a network of folks you can ask for recommendations or referrals. And by the way, people who refer you for jobs at companies, it's also good for them in many ways because uh, sometimes they have just direct financial incentives and get paid money for, for helping the company hire a, a someone. Uh, and just in general, they are growing their own network and quote-unquote sphere of influence by by being the person who recommended you. So, mm-hmm. so it's not just a favor, it's, it's, it's a professional environment. And just instead of worrying always about the future as being too gloomy and uncertain, try to dem- demystify it even early on. Uh, I think that is an enormous help. I just used the word demystify. Yeah, what's up? <laughs> mm, Perfect callback. I think another thing to keep in mind is um, if you do have like your eyes set on maybe a particular organization that you're even you're just curious about, you know, maybe your heart's not set on that or anything, but um, look for internships. So you can do internships in grad school. That's totally a thing. And could be very helpful for you, helpful for you later on. I didn't think it was a thing. I, that, that's what I'm saying. I was like, that's not a thing yeah, yeah, yeah. grad school. That's an undergrad only situation. It is not. I was wrong, <laughs> but yeah. So a lot of organizations do that, and you know, hey, I mean, you get to live somewhere different, maybe, maybe, uh, and you get to experience like a whole new kind of work culture that could either be like a really positive experience, and you go, I want to work in a place like that, or I mean, regardless of positive, negative, you know, neutral, it's an experience, and it's a day. It's like you know, multiple data points where you can go, okay. What kind of information do I get from this? Do I like this? Do I want to go back? Do I not? Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say something else to think to realize as well, not only with you know, one year is not a big deal, two years is not a big deal, failure is not a big deal, but also realize um, uh, that you are going to start comparing yourself locally to everybody around you because that's just human nature. Don't do, I mean, do that because everybody does that and that's fine, but don't let that be the only thing you realize as far as where you stand. I mean, the fact that you're in grad school already puts you at like this like pretty high level compared to uh, as, at least academically. I don't know about like personally or whatever, but <laughs> or, or, or <laughs> sound too highfalutin. Or, but I mean, it's it's a hard thing to reach that level, and you should be proud of your achievements, and and realize that it's difficult to reach that and that you put in a lot of work and, and it's impressive. Uh, if you start comparing yourself to everybody around you, which is invariably gonna happen, just keep in mind that you know 
there's there's a whole world outside of your department and of your of your PhD life that actually looks at you like wow you you've done some impressive stuff you you've achieved uh, uh, some pretty uh, good results as an undergrad to get to grad school uh, that's almost a given so that that's impressive uh, and you should just kind of realize that and if it doesn't work out in grad school that's that doesn't mean that like it completely erases everything you've done to get there. Uh, it just means that it was maybe not a good fit uh, for you or not a good fit at the time or who knows what, you know, maybe you found something else that looks better. Uh, it's it's just, you know, try to, again, pull out of this localized thinking and just try to see like the, the big view. It's the hardest thing to do in grad school. And it's the hardest thing to do, even for research, it's hard to do, to think of the whole field. I mean, these are, these are things that, that usually take quite a bit of experience and, and um, being somewhere for a while to be able to pull out, but just try to do it because it'll be quite quite good for your mental health if you if you're able to do that. I think. And I was just while you're talking, Lou, I remembered something. Um, my advisor shared with me that this was when I was like really struggling through these like fall practice sessions, which were like, you know sit down with my group for an hour and they just grill me and then you know there would be guest appearances by other random friends it was interesting anyway <laughs> i think at the end of like one of the not good ones <laughs> you know dan said something um um hope he's okay with me using his name but anyway um he said you know a phd is not a pre prerequisite for uh, happiness you know and I was like, oh, shut up. Yes, it is. <laughs> so I was like, you don't know what you're talking about, man. Like, yes, he does. Um, but uh, I thought it was like, okay, yeah, I can I can live a happy life regardless of whether I have these this degree. And that is, like, at the time, I was just so in this, like, trench of cross, 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 like, um, that I didn't really appreciate that you know what he was saying but after i sort of you know crawled out of it i was like okay right that is that is the whole point <laughs> you know so i got one more thing to add uh, and it's a call back it's to earlier right. concept that we have talked about is the advisor aunt or uncle that you have like just you know you you should definitely if you're feeling anxiety and you're feeling um a lot of uh, uh mental health issues you should definitely go to your advisor, but oftentimes you may think, you know what? I don't really think it's, maybe it's not that serious and maybe my advisor is going to look bad at me if I say like, oh, the stress is getting to me, which is, you know, it's understandable, right? Like you are spending your whole time trying to impress your advisor because at some point their letter of recommendation is going to ensure that you get your job or not. And they're right in, in their head as you're going through your whole PhD, of course. So because they have to write them for everybody and they can't tell, they can't say everybody was their best student. So they're, so <laughs> you're trying to, you're trying to uh, uh, basically um, not look bad in front of them as you, but you're still trying to confide in some way. And that's where the, the advisor aunt and uncle comes in. You can confide to them, uh, talk to them. But even if you don't get one of these types, you know, fellow grad students, just talk to someone. The more you talk to, a, talk to your dog, talk to your plants, talk to, and just get it off your chest. Just, it's just, it's, I mean, obviously uh, that is lesser down the hierarchy of like what's helpful, but, but it can be helpful. Like, <laughs> talk to someone uh, who can, you can just, you know, 
bounce things off of and who can be supportive and kind of help you out. And, and if you can get one of these uh, Uncle or Aunt types, then, then even better. Like someone who's a PhD already and kind of knows, maybe he's in your school or you're in, in your department, that's fantastic. Then you have somebody who's like kind of uh, a bit, you know, closer to the situation and there's like, okay, yeah, I, I'm seeing you're having this problem with this class. That guy's kind of a jerk. Just sorry. Just go through it. Good luck with that. And then you feel a little better. You're like, okay, it's not just me. Other people f- have issues with this guy. Uh, so it's 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 just important that you talk it out with somebody, I think. Uh, one, I guess, something I didn't add that might be helpful, but not always helpful, is, I mean, I have a dog, and I think that is an excellent Ooh, <laughs> uh, thing to... I mean, in a grad school, maybe not the time to have a puppy. That sounds like a terrible idea. Uh, but people do it. But I don't know. A pet or a thing that you have to take care of can be like a nice stress relief. Although, you know, that could also mean maybe you volunteer to help a friend out and do like take help take care of uh, their cat when they go to travel or something like that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's, I guess, another thing that I've seen people do. It can't hurt to have something that like thinks the sun rises and sets on you and loves you unconditionally <laughs> like like a dog. That's that's not a bad thing to make you feel kind of good after a rough day at the lab. It's yeah. Like, and they like never talk back, so that's nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you know what? <laughs> you know what I said about advisor answer, just get a, get a dog. <laughs> just get a dog. <laughs> They're always there. And if you're not a dog person, you can unsubscribe. I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 Seems like well, you're picking up fight with everyone. <laughs> That's hilarious. If you like cats and I'm from Missouri, this is not for you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, one magic word that Liz just said now is volunteer. There are just incredible opportunities yeah, for community volunteering. Uh, where I mean, for one thing, you know, that's something definitely productive. And that's something where you can just uh, go there, spend some time, be helpful for others, and at the same time get so many riches in return. And I mean, one, one for example, one organization that I really like is Habitat for Humanity. And uh, you probably know about this, where you're building a kind of house uh, for, uh, in, some, in a local community. And uh, it's, it's kind of this really nice volunteer effort in such a good atmosphere, and you're picking up these cool construction skills and learning stuff about life and, you know, how houses are built, I guess. So yeah. immediately so many benefits to you. And as one person told me, like one of the senior volunteers said something that sticks with me forever. He said, you know, assholes don't volunteer. So everyone <laughs> <is> really quick. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really just, it becomes such a fun experience that's even useful. It makes sense. Community. It makes you more engaged and kind of, uh, like we said in an earlier episode, gives more value to your life than the immediate experiment that you're doing that maybe failed that day and you're feeling so down because of. So volunteering, such an important and useful, uh, you know, depression fighting technique and also while helping others. And usually at universities, there's a lot of organizations and so that's another like really good thing about the you know just university resources there's a lot of clubs maybe they're you know organized or run by graduate students or undergraduates whoever um, 
but there's a lot there. So, all right. I think that about covers it. Anything else? And, uh, all right. I'm well, rocking. that is, that's the end of our episode three on anxiety, depression, and you know, kind of how to manage all these things in graduate school. And of course, if you have any comments or questions on the episodes, and then just send us an email and uh, subscribe, like, share if uh, if you like the content and you think someone else might like it too. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Right on. <laughs>